Welcome to the podcast for Movement Church in New York City, a church family seeking a Jesus movement together. In our very first episode, Pastor Mike Doyle introduces a series on the Holy Spirit. Hey guys, it's Pastor Mike, and I am excited to share with you this three-part series on the Holy Spirit. Now, this was material that was covered in the discipleship class, but a lot of people weren't able to attend the discipleship class, or if you attended the discipleship class and you weren't able to take notes fast enough and you want this material, I wanted to make this material available to our church. And, you know, teaching on the Holy Spirit is one of my favorite topics to cover, Because I believe that the secret to the Christian life is the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit. As I'm going to talk about in a future podcast, you know, Christianity is, it's not just ideas. It's not just, you know, going to church and going through the religious motions. Christianity is a supernatural encounter with God by the power of the Holy Spirit. And if you've attended movement for any period of time, you've probably heard me share my testimony. I won't go into it today, but, you know, I wasn't really raised in a Christian home. I just grew up kind of nominally Catholic and When I was 18 years old, though, I had this really powerful encounter with the Holy Spirit. And this little church in Northwest Florida in this small youth group, I heard the gospel clearly for the first time in my life. I gave my life to Jesus. And when I prayed and asked Jesus Christ to come into my heart, I was filled with the Holy Spirit and I was born again. I had this dramatic experience with the Holy Spirit. Now, not everybody has it, but I had it and it changed my life. Then a year and a half later, when I was at Bible college, I was baptized in the Holy Spirit and over the you know, two and a half decades that I've been a Christian, I've had so many encounters with the Holy Spirit, experiences with the Holy Spirit, fillings with the Holy Spirit, and just the, the, the power of the Holy Spirit in the life of a Christian is one of my favorite things about being a Christian. Also, before I became a Christian, again, if you've heard my story, you've heard me talk about this before, but you know, I was exploring every form of spirituality I could kind of get my hands on before I became a Christian. I studied Buddhism and Hinduism and Taoism and Rastafarianism. I got into the New Age movement. I got into psychedelics. I got into meditation because I was desperately trying to tap into the supernatural. I was trying to find authentic spirituality because ever since I was a little kid, I'd always been trying to know God and encounter God and experience God. I look back in retrospect now, it's because God was drawing me to himself. But I was on this spiritual quest And honestly, it wasn't until I met Jesus Christ and I encountered the Holy Spirit that I found that spirituality I'd been looking for my whole life. And one of the things I love about Christianity is Christianity is real. Christianity is true, that there really is a Holy Spirit and there really is a God. And it's it's true. It's not make-believe. It's not just ideas. But there's an actual supernatural relationship we can have with God by the power of the Holy Spirit. So again, it's one of my favorite topics to teach on. And I think that this material is really critical to the Christian life. Well, what I want to look at at in this podcast is I want to look at the person of the Holy Spirit. The person of the Holy Spirit. Because, again, this is super important because a lot of times we think of the Holy Spirit as as a power or a feeling or an essence. And sometimes when you see, you know, the famous kind of charismatic pastors or Pentecostal pastors on television... There's one guy, he used to anoint a Nerf ball and throw it at people, and when the Nerf ball hit them, they would knock him out, and I don't even know what that is. I don't want to judge it, but to me, that seems more like witchcraft than it does Christianity, because the Holy Spirit's a person. 
And the Holy Spirit is only going to do what the Holy Spirit wants to do. And so I think as a church, we have to be very sensitive to the Holy Spirit. You know, when the Holy Spirit descended upon Jesus at his baptism, he descended upon Jesus in the form of a dove. And one of the reasons why I think he did that was because doves are very skittish. They're easy to scare. They're easy to kind of scare away. And I think that's how it is with the Holy Spirit. I think the Holy Spirit is so sensitive. He's so holy and he's so pure and he's so gentle that it's very easy to grieve him. It's very easy to drive him away. And so really the goal in the Christian life is to develop a hypersensitivity to the Holy Spirit because I believe the Holy Spirit is hypersensitive. You know, God's a God of grace and he forgives us, but if we want to have a real intimate relationship with the Holy Spirit, it takes a real spiritual sensitivity on our part. Okay, so the Holy Spirit is a person. He's a person. And we're going to look at it in just a moment, but the Holy Spirit has a mind, he has a will, he has emotions. And because he's a person, you can know him as a person, you can relate to him as a person, you can interact with him as a person. What happened was, is, you know, when Jesus was on the earth, you know, he was a great guy to be around. Jesus had all the answers, and he could work miracles, and he could heal the sick and raise the dead. But what happened, though, is Jesus ascended into heaven. But in his place, he sent us the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit is to be our guide now. And it's the job of the Holy Spirit to lead and guide and direct the church. And so if we want to know what God's will is for us, if we want to know how to be successful in our Christian lives and in our church life, we need to have a greater sensitivity to the Holy Spirit and listen to him with, with greater intensity because he will guide us and he will direct us. All right, well, just a little, a little bit of groundwork, and then I want to look at some verses in the New Testament that talk about the Holy Spirit being a person. First of all, you know, Christians believe in this very unique truth, and we call it the Trinity. Now, the word Trinity, it doesn't appear in the New Testament. And if you ever get into it with a Jehovah Witness, they'll try and, you know, stump you with that fact. Well, don't let it bother you. It's just a term that the early church invented to describe a New Testament doctrine. The word Trinity was actually invented by the early church father, Tertullian. And what it means is it means a tri-unity. And what Orthodox Christians believe, whether they're Roman Catholic or Eastern Orthodox or Protestant, what what true Christians have believed for 2,000 years is we believe in one God who is eternally existent in three persons, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Let me repeat that. As Christians, we believe in one God, but we believe that that one God is eternally existent in three persons, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Now, we're monotheists, like Jews and Muslims, but we're Trinitarian monotheists. We believe in one God, but we believe there's three persons within that one God. Now, we're not modalists. We don't believe it's, you know, it's one God acting in three different ways or wearing three different hats or coming to us in three different forms. That's called modalism. And we're not Unitarians, like the early Christian heresy Arians or like Jehovah Witnesses or actually even like Jews and Muslims. We're we're Trinitarian monotheists. We believe in one God, but he's eternally existed in three persons. And each member of the Trinity has a mind, a will, and emotions, and they're able to interact with one another. The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, they talk to one another, they love one another, they serve one another, and yet in some mysterious way that's beyond our understanding, they're one in their essence. And that's the thing about the Trinity is, honestly, there's really no way to explain it. And basically, every attempt to explain the Trinity just becomes some form of heresy. 
You say, well, Michael, well, then what do we do? Well, you know what we do? It's a mystery. And it's just a mystery that we accept by faith. And we just, we just have to have the humility to go, you know what? There's just some things we're just never going to understand, at least this side of eternity. And that doesn't bother me about Christianity. That actually, to me, is a proof for the reality of Christianity. If, if Christianity could be perfectly explained, then it would make me question whether it was just invented by human beings. But if there's a, these strange parts of Christianity that seem otherworldly and seem beyond our ability to understand, to me, that's a proof for the reality of Christianity. All right, so we believe that the Holy Spirit is a person, and he's not just a power or an essence or a feeling, but he's a person. And because he's a person, we can have a relationship with him. And really, that's the goal of the Christian life, is to develop a relationship with the Holy Spirit, to get to know him, to talk to him, to walk with him. And when you think about the presence of the Holy Spirit, like, like just think if you are listening to this podcast right now in the living room at your house, and, and the Holy Spirit is with you in that room, you know it's kind of a, a really intense thought? is you know There's actually a person with you in that room right now. You're not alone. There's literally a, an invisible person in the room with you right now, and that's the Holy Spirit. He's literally here with you right now. And he's with us 24-7. In fact, he actually dwells inside of us. And so everywhere we go, we take the person of the Holy Spirit with us. Every good situation we step in and every bad situation we step into, we're taking the Holy Spirit into every one of those situations. When you're riding the subway, you're carrying the Holy Spirit with you. When we go into our offices, we're taking the Holy Spirit with us. When we go to the grocery store, when we go out with our friends, we're literally taking the Spirit of God with us into every situation and context we walk into. And that's an intense thought, and it's an exciting thought at the same time. All right, well, now what I want to do is I want to look at some characteristics of the Holy Spirit that show that He is a person. And so I'm going to look at a bunch of Bible verses and just, you know, don't tune out, but just stick with me. Look at these Bible verses with me, okay? So the first thing we're going to see are three three characteristics of the Holy Spirit that are unique to a person, all right, so the first thing we see is that the Holy Spirit, he thinks. 1 Corinthians 2.10 says, But God has revealed to them to us through his Spirit, for the Spirit searches all things, yes, the deep things of God. And so what Paul's saying here is that the Holy Spirit thinks. He has thoughts. The Holy Spirit has a mind. And in fact, the Holy Spirit, he searches out even the deep things of God, and he reveals them to us. You know, Electricity doesn't have a mind, and a power doesn't have a mind, but a person has a mind. And the Holy Spirit thinks, and he has thoughts, and if we're sensitive to him, he will reveal his thoughts to us. Secondly, the Holy Spirit feels. He has feelings. Again, a power or an essence doesn't have feelings, but a personality has feelings. And I want to just look at one verse. It's Ephesians 4.30. It says, Paul writes, he says, do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. And to me, that's one of the most tragic thoughts is, is that we actually have the possibility to grieve the Holy Spirit. That I can think certain things or I can say th- certain things or I can harbor certain things in my heart or I can do certain things that actually grieve the Spirit of God. And I believe that when we grieve the Spirit of God, we actually hinder His ability to work in our lives. We quench him. We, we resist him. We, you know, we, we diminish what he can do through us. And that, that's kind of heartbreaking to me, you know? 
I think, what, so what we want to do is we don't want to grieve the Holy Spirit. We want to please the Holy Spirit. I want to live my life in such a way that the Holy Spirit can use me to the maximum, that, that he can bless my life, that my life can become a channel through which he can bless other people. I want to walk so in harmony with the Holy Spirit, so in tune with the Holy Spirit, that I'm a faithful vessel that he can flow through to bless other people. And I can honestly say that probably one of the most, I, I would personally say the most amazing experience you can have in life is to be used by the Spirit of God to touch somebody else's life. That's pretty amazing. That's pretty incredible. And what do we want to do? So we, we want to maximize uh, the Holy Spirit's ability to do that in our lives. And that comes through walking in the Holy Spirit, walking in obedience to God, reading the Bible, spending time in prayer, you know, having self-discipline, and living our lives in such a way that, that we please the Holy Spirit, we honor the Holy Spirit, and then He can work powerfully through us. And one more aspect of personality that the Holy Spirit has is He chooses. He has a will. Again, Paul writes in 1 Corinthians 12, 11, but one and the same Spirit works all these things, distributing to each one individually as He wills. And in the context of that, Paul is saying that the Holy Spirit distributes spiritual gifts, but He distributes them as He wills. So one person he gives the gift of evangelism, another person he gives the gift of miracles, another person he gives the gift of tongues, and another person he gives the gift of faith. And why he does that, that's in his inscrutable wisdom, and we don't always know why, but the Holy Spirit sovereignly chooses and wills who he's going to give what spiritual gifts. Again, a power or an essence or a feeling doesn't have a will. And so if the Spirit of God thinks, if he feels and he chooses, then he must be a person. And also, the Holy Spirit does things that only a person can do. He teaches. 1 Corinthians 2.13, Paul writes again, he says, These things we also speak not in words with man, which man's wisdom teaches, but which the Holy Spirit teaches. And that's wild. The Holy Spirit will actually be our teacher. That's why the Apostle John says in 1 John, he says, You don't need that anybody teach you because you have an anointing from the Father. You know, when I first became a Christian, I would listen to this, air quote, Christian radio station in Rhode Island, and it had like everything on it. Like some things were good, some things were bad, and it, but anything that was Christian or somewhat Christian or pseudo-Christian would advertise itself on this radio station. Well, I was a baby Christian, and I had no discernment, and I was so happy to be a Christian. I went to just about everything that I heard about on this Christian radio station. I went to tent revivals and, you know, Catholic church services and... Holy Ghost meetings and just everything that this Christian radio station offered, I went to check it out because I didn't really have any real guidelines yet for the Christian life. And I look back and I was so vulnerable. I was so uh, biblically illiterate. I could have easily got sucked into some cult or got sidetracked. And the only reason why I believe that didn't happen was because I had the Holy Spirit to be my teacher. And the Holy Spirit would go, all right, Mike, this is real that's not real. Go here. Don't go there. And he's been doing that for me for the last, you know, 26 years that I've been a Christian. He's guided me and directed me, and he's my teacher. And the Holy Spirit can teach us through pastors. He can teach us through Christian books. He can teach us through the Bible. But ultimately, he's our teacher, and he's using all these people and resources to teach us. All right. The Holy Spirit gives guidance. Romans 8, 14, Paul says, For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. Again, I've talked about this before, is that one of the things about the Bible is that the Bible actually doesn't answer every question in life. It can't. 
If it did, it would be 10,000 volumes long. So what the Bible does is the Bible gives us guardrails. It gives us principles. It gives us truths. It gives us, you know, guidelines for our life. And then when we need guidance in, you know, a specific situation, then we look to the Spirit of God, and the Spirit of God will give us direction for that specific little little or big issue in our lives. And I believe the Holy Spirit can lead us as much or as little as we want. I, I believe He can guide us even down to the sm- most smallest, minutest details of our lives if, if we're willing to be open to Him. And that's really what step before us as a Christian. Do I want my life to be really led by the Spirit of God or not so much led by the Spirit of God? But He'll guide us and He'll direct us as much as we want Him to. The Holy Spirit comforts us. John 16, 17, Nevertheless, I tell you the truth, it's a It's expedient for you that I go away. This is Jesus talking in the Gospel of John. For if I do not go away, the Comforter will not come to you. I love this idea of the Holy Spirit being a Comforter. Because you know what? We all know this. Life is hard. Life is painful. Life is difficult. And we all need comfort. And if we don't turn to God for comfort, we're just going to turn to somebody else. That's why there's a whiskey called Southern Comfort. Or we turn to... Uh, you know, social media for comfort, or we turn to Netflix for comfort, or we turn to food for comfort. That's why there's comfort food. That's why there's Cracker Barrel, you know? Or we turn to unhealthy things for comfort. You know, we turn to drugs or pornography or sexual sin. And so there's a whole range of things that we look to for comfort when we don't look to God for comfort. But the Holy Spirit is designed to be God's comforter for us. And we need to learn to find the comfort in Him That is really the comfort that our soul needs and our soul desires. All right, the Holy Spirit directs us. Acts 8, 29. This is a story of when Philip shared the gospel with the Ethiopian eunuch in the book of Acts. It says, Then the Spirit said to Philip, Go near and overtake his chariot. And what had happened was, as Philip was preaching the gospel in Samaria, there was this revival that was happening, and then just randomly God says, I want you to go to the desert. And you got to hand it to Philip because not a lot of guys would go to the desert. If you had this good thing happening in Samaria, why would you leave that to go to the middle of nowhere? But Philip does. He obeys God. And he's just standing out in the middle of nowhere. And then he sees this chariot go by that has this Ethiopian eunuch in it. He was a servant of the monarchy in Ethiopia. And he runs alongside it. He ends up sharing the gospel with this eunuch. He baptizes him. And the eunuch takes the gospel back to Ethiopia And there's pretty much been a Christian presence in Ethiopia ever since. For 2,000 years, there's been a Christian witness in Ethiopia because of Philip's willingness to be directed by the Spirit of God. And again, this goes back to something I talked about earlier, but I believe the Holy Spirit can direct us and guide us as much or as little as we want Him to. And really, the, the key to the church and the key to the Christian life is to so you know, listen to the Holy Spirit that we can receive that divine direction from Him so that we do what He wants us to do, we go where He wants us to go, and we accomplish what He wants us to accomplish. The Holy Spirit gives us understanding. You know, Jesus says in John 16, 13, He says, uh, when the Spirit of truth has come, He will guide you into all truth. You know, when I tried to read the Bible before I became a Christian, it was like trying to read you know, a Chinese textbook, and I don't, I don't understand Mandarin, so I can't read Chinese. That's how the Bible was like to me. It was just like a reading a foreign language. And the things I did read just terrified me or seemed confusing. But once the Spirit of God came into my life, the Bible became a living book. It came alive to me. The words began to jump off the page. 
I remember reading Genesis for the first time and just having my mind blown with the thought that God created the world. Because, you know, I was a product of the public school system, so I believed in evolution. I believed in the materialistic explanation for the world. I didn't like that explanation, but I didn't really know another option. But then as I became a Christian, I read the book of Genesis, I, I began to realize, man, God made the world. And all of a sudden, the world became a much more magical, much more beautiful place for me. Human life had so much more meaning. And all these things that I could never kind of understand about evolution, they just disappeared as I realized, you know what, God created everything. The Holy Spirit gives understanding. The Holy Spirit speaks. In Acts chapter 13, verse 2, there's a story of, uh, there's, a, there's a prayer meeting. And it says, as, and as they ministered to the Lord and fasted, the Spirit of God said to the leadership of the church in Antioch to set apart Paul and Barnabas to the work to which he's called them. And what had happened was this, this church had been planted in, in Antioch, and it was this very diverse church. It was full of Jews and Gentiles. And as the church began to grow, they needed a pastor. So this guy named Barnabas, and he had remembered this Pharisee who had become a Christian many years earlier, but was living in kind of obscurity up in Tarsus, which is in Turkey. And Antioch actually today is in Syria. So Barnabas goes, find Paul, brings him back to Antioch, and he's the perfect pastor for the moment. Because Paul was an expert in the law, he was a Pharisee, and he grew up as a Jew. But he also grew up in a Greek city named Tarsus, which was a university town. And so Paul perfectly understood the Jewish world. He perfectly understood the Gentile, non-Jewish world. He understood Greek philosophy, Greek poetry. And so Paul was that perfect bridge for the gospel to be able to make the transition from the Jewish world into the Gentile world. And that's what the Church of Antioch needed. It needed somebody who could fully explain Christianity to them in terms that they can understand. So anyway, so they're having this prayer meeting, and the Holy Spirit speaks to them. And they, and again, they had created space to hear from the Holy Spirit, which we need to do. And so they heard the voice of the Holy Spirit who spoke to them. They, the Holy Spirit set apart to me Paul and Barnabas. They sent them out. And that's the beginning of the Paul that we know of. Because as Paul goes out and plants these churches, he'll end up writing letters to these churches that will end up becoming a third of the New Testament. And that's the book of Romans and the, and the book of the Philippians and the book of Ephesians. These were letters that Paul wrote to churches that he planted as a result of them hearing from the Holy Spirit and being sent out. Man, that is why it is so important for us to hear the voice of the Holy Spirit, to create space for the Spirit of God to speak to us. Because imagine if that, they never would have done that. Imagine if they hadn't heard the voice of God and hadn't sent Paul out. We'd be missing, you know, a third of the New Testament. All of Paul's epistles could possibly not be there. Also, Paul planted the first church in Europe, and all of us who have any, you know, connection to Europe, whether we are European descent ourselves or we heard the, or we receive the gospel from Europeans, oh my gosh, it, it's it's unfathomable to think of where we would be and what the world would be missing out on had those Christians not have heard the voice of the Holy Spirit. But the Holy Spirit speaks, and He's still speaking, and He can speak today, and we want to be so sensitive to hear His voice. And also, lastly, the Holy Spirit can be resisted. And it says in Acts 7.51, Stephen is speaking to the Sanhedrin, and he says, You stiff-necked and uncircumcised and hardened ears, you always resist the Holy Spirit. You know, the Holy Spirit is a gentleman. He's not going to force himself upon us. And so he can be resisted. And man, we don't want to resist the Holy Spirit. Actually, we want to do the complete opposite. We want to flow with the Holy Spirit. 
We want to be new wineskins. We want to be filled with the Spirit of God. And we want to, if the Holy Spirit says jump, we say how high. If the Holy Spirit says go here, we go there. And one thing I found about the Holy Spirit is that if we don't listen to His voice when He guides us, then it usually kind of tends to stop there. But if we'll listen to Him, then He'll speak to us again and again and again and again and again. And so until we're willing to listen to the Holy Spirit and do what He tells us to do, we're not really going to hear His voice. And as we obey Him, He will speak to us more and more, and He'll guide us and guide us and guide us, and we don't want to resist Him. All right. So the Holy Spirit is a person. And Christians, going all the way back to the very beginning, we've always believed in this this doctrine that is unique to the Christian faith. We believe in what's called the Trinity, the triunity of God. We believe in one God, eternally existent in three persons, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit is a person with a mind, a will, and an emotion, and emotions. And so what we want to do is we want to you know, begin to realize that about the Holy Spirit, that He's a person, and we want to begin to develop a relationship with Him as a person. And we want to realize that, you know, everything we do either grieves Him or pleases Him. And so the goal of our lives, and you know, and it's, it, we're works in progress, it's going to take our whole lives, but the goal of our lives is to live our lives in such a way that everything we do pleases Him. And so the Spirit of God can work through us and can fill us and use us to touch the world for the glory of God. All right, well, I hope this podcast has been helpful. In the next podcast, I'm going to talk about the names of the Holy Spirit. And then in the third and final podcast, I'm going to talk about the gifts of the Holy Spirit. But let us know if this was helpful for you. Uh, Send us a message, comment. But we will uh, talk to you next time in the names of the Holy Spirit. God bless you. Talk to you soon. Thanks so much for joining us today. Be sure to follow us on Instagram at Movement Church NYC to stay up to date with everything that's going on with Movement. God bless.